I'm excited about a lot of things. Yeah, I'm excited because it's football season. I, I love football. Yeah. I love football. But you know what? I love, I love worshiping Jesus more than anything. But I was, I was thinking about football in comparison to the way that we um, participate in, in a football game or a basketball game or a little league game. Anybody ever been to a Little League game or a, a T-ball game and, and, and watch the parents to see how excited and how involved we are in what's going on? I have to admit, I was one of those. My wife used to tell me, Don, Don, you're making a spectacle of yourself. Because I was all in it. You know, that's my boy out there playing. And, uh, and I was pulling for it. I was rooting for it. And it, it was exciting. I, I, I just, I'm just curious. We got any football fans in here? Uh, Ron, come up here just a minute. I, I want you to come up here. And, and Karen, I want you to come up here just a second. Yeah, yeah. I want you to come up here. All right. Ron, I want, I want you to show me what you do. Who's your team, by the way? Who's your pro team? Uh, Steelers. The Steelers, all right. I want you to show us what happens when Ben Roethlisberger throws an 85-yard touchdown bomb. What do you do? Woo! All right. Is that all you do? That's all you do. Just that little thing. That's about it. No, I want you, I want you to tell us what you really do. I want you to show us what you really do. You're sitting down. You got your, you got your big gulp. You're sitting down. You're watching the game. And, and, and Big Ben, he goes back with the ball, and he hurls that thing down the field. The wide receiver gets it. He's ahead of everybody. He runs in the end zone, and you just go, woo, that's all you do. Well, show us, give us a demonstration. Give us, give us a good demonstration. Do what you do. Do what you do. All right, here's the announcer. Roethlisberger goes back. He's in the pocket. He's in the pocket. He hurls it down the field. 80 yards. Woo! All right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, and, and this, is, this is Karen. I know who she pulls for. She's a Panther fan. Go Panthers. And, and I know a little bit about what she does. You know, we, we, we've yet to see because Smitty's gone. It's a whole new season. But we're expecting big things from Big Ben, Benjamin. And we're expecting big things from him. So what's going to happen, Karen, when... Uh, what's going to happen when number one... When Cam gets the ball and he hurls that thing down, Benjamin catches it, he runs in there. <laughs> we get excited, don't we? I know this guy sitting over here on the end. He's a big Duke fan. He's a Dukie. God will forgive him for that. God forgives anything. But he's a Dukie. Come here a minute. Come here a minute. I mean, I, mean, I want you to tell me why. You're a Duke fan. Why am I a Duke fan? Because Coach Gay is the best coach in the country. Because academically it's the best school. Because all the athletes there work hardest. Um, because we're going to kill all you Tar Heels this year. 
All right. It's all lies, by the way. And, and I just, I gave you a demonstration of something. I want you to understand what praise is about. Yeah. He was praising his team. Coach K's the best. Duke's the best. They're going to whoop up on the Tar Heels, blah, blah, blah. You know. That, that's what, that, he was extolling the virtues of his team. He was giving praise to his team. You know, we, we get excited when, when we go to a football game and somebody does something or, or, or we get excited. You know, my wife gets excited when she goes out shopping. She makes a big score. And she comes home and she says, honey, I found this. It was 70% off. Woo! I'm like, what is it? What are you going to use it for? I don't know, but it was 70% off. <laughs> but she's not quite that bad. <laughs> well, I wanna, I've, I've been thinking about something for a while. I've, I've, I've been meditating on these two particular, one particular scripture is found in two places, and it says essentially the same thing. Psalm 33, 1, and Psalm 147, 1. And it says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is becoming. Wow, have you ever thought about that? Praise is a normal function for the child of God. It's not, it's, it's not something we have to manufacture. You know, I, I hate it when the worship leader is trying to pump and prime the people of God to get them to praise the Lord. You know, like, would you stand, would you raise your hands? I mean, we should already be standing raising our hands. I mean, it, it's exciting. I mean, he's already won the victory. The King of kings, the Lord of lords has already done it. And I've, I've had these scriptures inside of me for the last couple of weeks. I've been chewing on it. You know, and it's kind of like, it's like the Lord, you know, I'm like, Lord, you know, what do you want me to share this week? It's like the Lord, you know, I've been putting this in your heart. When are you going to preach it? Because he is worthy of our praise. I like what it says in Psalm 34, verses 1 and 2. It says, I will, everybody say, I will, bless the Lord sometimes. No, that's not what it says. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall sometimes be in my mouth if things are going just right. Know what it says? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because I sought the Lord and he heard my cry and he delivered me from all my fears. That's what he did for me. So why not have his praise continually in my mouth? Why not be excited about the things of the Lord? Now, I, in order for us to really get the most out of something, sometimes it's, it's good to know why. It's good to get down to the root of it, you know. Uh, it's like certain things happen and, and people do things because it's traditional. I got up this morning, I put on a new shirt. Y'all like my mango-colored shirt? It's not orange. It's mango. Everybody say mango. Okay. That's what it said on the tag anyway. Speaking of tags, I hate those things. 
They put them in your shirts. And where do they put them? In the most disgusting place they can put them, right behind your neck. And you can't get used to them. I always cut them out. I'm thinking, I asked asked my wife, I said, honey, why do they do that? She says, because it's what they've always done. And, And we get in the mode of doing things the way we've always done it. Without questioning why do we do things the way that we do. My father was a bridge builder. He, he, he worked on bridges for a good part of his life, and he was a supervisor. They made him a supervisor rather quickly because he was an innovator. He wasn't afraid to try new things. And, and he developed new ways for that company of doing things which saved time, which saved materials. And, you know, he would go, and some of those guys would refuse to change the way that they had done it all these years even though there was a a better way, an easier way to do what they were doing. I mean, they reached the same objective, but what they were doing took more time and more materials, took more workers to get done what we could do with three guys. But they were afraid to change. And, and, you know, we get get stuck in our ways. You know, we we think that, that praising the Lord is something that we just kind of do, is kind of a quiet thing. You know, Jesus said when, when he was going into Jerusalem and the people were laying the palm branches down and their cloaks and stuff for him to ride his little donkey on, and, and everybody was exalting him. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They would worship him and everything else. And, and, and the Pharisees came up to him and says, make them stop. He says, Why? If I were to make them stop worshiping, if I were to make them stop praising, what would happen? The rocks would cry out. Somebody's going to praise him. Somebody's going to praise him. I, I tell you what, I, I love to praise the Lord. There, you know, that's probably one of my, well, there's no doubt about it. It's, one, it's the thing that I love to do most. I love to worship the Lord. But what does it mean to praise? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to help you with that. It is the word halal. Everybody say halal. It means to shine, to to make a show, to boast, and thus be clamorously foolish. Wow. It means that. It means to rave, to celebrate. In the the purest sense, it means to commend or to boast. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I sought the Lord and he heard my cry and delivered me from all my fears. Then what does it say after that? He says, therefore I will make my boast in the Lord. I will make my boast in the Lord. If I'm going to brag about anything, I'm going to brag about him. You know, when I was a kid, you know, we, we love to talk about our daddies and our brothers. I had three older brothers, and two of my brothers were known as bad guys. You know, I mean, not bad in a bad sense. They were just bad. They would, they would tear you up. Somebody see a quarter on the floor. <laughs> Whose is it? Who's, whose money is it? Yeah. You can have it. But anyway, we'd be, I would, we would always brag about, you know, my brother could beat up your brother. My daddy can beat up your daddy because he's strong. We would boast, you know. 
Well, in my case, my sister can beat up your brother. (laughs) And she could. No doubt about it. But when we boast, we're bragging, we're, we're praising. You know? And we do it clamorously, we do it foolishly. Sometimes we, we are inhibited in our praise when we should be exuberant in our praise. You know, when we go to the football game, we can act like an idiot and nobody thinks anything of it. It's like, oh man, he's really excited. Woo, let's all get excited. Yeah! I, I love to go to football games and get everybody stirred up. I, I'm probably one of the biggest cheerleaders. I, look like a, I act like an idiot, but I love it, you know, sanctified idiot. But I love to just, because that's what you're there for. I mean, I hate to go to a game or something and just sit back with my arms folded and watch the game. Boring. <laughs> I want to get excited. I love excitement. And I get excited about the things of the Lord. I love to boast about him. I love to hallel him. And the word, the word hallel is the root word for hallelujah. Hallel and Yah. Hallel, Yah. Who, what is Yah? God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so when we, we, we think of that word, you know, we kind of use the word, oh, hallelujah. No, it's like, Hallelujah! Yes! So, there's some things that we need to know about praise. A couple of them, and I just want to share them. So, number one is the object of our praise. You know, we're not, we're not praising someone who is unworthy of our praise. We're not praising someone who is proven to be faithless and undependable. We're praising the one who is faithful. We're not praising one who is who is. Is, is, is diabolical and, and evil and mean. We're praising one who is loving and kind and full of mercy. I, I am so glad that we serve Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, rather than Allah. I don't know much about Allah, but I know about Yahweh. And I know that he is faithful and he's good and he's powerful. He's long-suffering and he's kind. And, 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 you know, we praise the Lord and there's no one else who's worthy of our praise. Besides, it's, it's good to sing praises to our God. That word good is the word tobe. Everybody say tobe. It's like tobe. T-O-W-B. Tobe. Beautiful, better, best. You know, my grandmother used to say, Good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. Anybody ever heard that? Good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. So it is good to sing the praises to the Lord. What does that mean? That we should offer the best to him. Not just the good part. But the best, I, I like what, what Lydia was talking about when Jesus turned the water into wine and they took it to the master of the house. And what did he say? He said, man, this is good stuff. He said, usually they serve the good stuff first until everybody's gotten really happy and drunk. And then they give them the bad stuff. They don't know any better. 
He said, but you say the best to last. Good, better, best. And when we worship the Lord, we should give him the best that we have. I mean, worship the Lord with all your might, your heart, your soul, your strength. Praise him. So God is the object of our worship. You know, we don't sing to just any God. We don't sing praises to just anything that comes along with, you know, there's a word Elohim. When it speaks of God's, and sometimes it refers to God as Elohim. But Elohim could be any God. Elohim is just God. But when you say El Shaddai, it takes on a whole different meaning. Because El Shaddai means Almighty God. And when you say Yahweh, all-powerful, all-existent, one true God, that just takes on a whole different realm of everything. So we, we worship the one true God, and above him there is no other God. You get that clear? So he's worthy of our praise. So the object of our worship is Yahweh himself, and we worship him. Anything else that we worship. You know, some people worship fame. Some people worship drunkenness. Some people worship drugs. Some people worship other people. And God says, thou shalt have no other Elohim before me. But we worship God. He's the object of our worship. So, and why do we praise him? Well, first of all, because it's good. It's good to praise him. He's best. He's worthy. He's worth it. There's a song where it says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost, how he picked me up, he turned me around, he set my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout, hallelujah. You know, when I sing that song, I don't sing it like quiet. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me. It's like, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me up with the Holy Ghost, and he healed me to the uttermost. Because that is an experience that I've had in my life. And he's worthy. It's good. So why? (laughs) Why not? Amen? There's so much that we can praise him for. I mean, what are some of the adjectives we use to describe him? His greatness, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness. Why do you love him? Why do you praise him? I mean, we get all kinds of answers if I ask that question in this room. Why do you praise him? Because because he's worthy, number one. And it's good to praise him. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, we can go around and we can live in the mully grubs and we can live in an attitude of praise and worship. We can live in an attitude of, of, of knowing who he is. Hallelujah. Knowing that he will never leave us nor forsake us. 
He's an on-time God. He's an ever-present God. He's an omniscient God. He's an omnipotent God. He's always there. He never leaves us. Besides that, Psalm 92.1 said, It is a good thing. In other words, it's best or better to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to declare thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness at night. And I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, one thing I can't stand is somebody who, who just kind of just spouts empty words. I'm talking about empty praise. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, I did this, praise the Lord. I did that, praise the Lord. Shut up. <laughs> Don't use the name of the Lord in vain if you're not truly worshiping him and praising him. You know? Well, I was driving my car down the road the other day, and a dog ran out in front of me, praise the Lord, and I hit it. So why are you praising the Lord for that? <laughs> but it's, an heart, it's a heartfelt thing. It's something we continually do all the time. And so in the midst of struggle, we praise the Lord. In times of triumph, we praise the Lord. Y'all heard my story, but I love telling it anyway. So I'll tell it again, because it just gets better every time. When I was diagnosed with, with hepatitis C and had to go through treatments for 10 months, to end of 10 months, my body was decimated, man. My wife was about, she was basket case too, because she had to put up with me. And the meds that I was on were horrendous. It was like a double dose of chemotherapy or something. It was terrible. And when I got to 10 months of it, and they called me up after 10 months of this, of shooting yourself in the stomach and taking pills three times a day and drinking water like it was, you know, you're never going to get another drink. I had to drink a gallon and a half a day. So you drink a gallon and a half of water a day. You know what that means, don't you? It means you pee 50 times a day. <laughs> so it was just, it, it, was, it was tough. It was a tough time. And uh, at the end of it, they, they called me up and said, uh, Dr. Vess, are, are you seated, seated down? I said, well, not yet, but if you need me to, I will. She said, well, maybe better. So I sat down, and she started telling me, this is the woman that ran the clinic that uh, was, was, I was in a clinical study. And she told me, she said, Dr. Vess, she said, um, I know you've been through this thing for 10 months, she said, but the meds are not helping you. And so immediately, what happens when you have a brick dropped on you like that? How do you feel? It's like devastated for just a moment. But then I sought the Lord and he heard my cry and delivered me from all my fears. I will bless the Lord at all times. I started thinking about a song that had had ministered to me years before I'd sang it a bunch of times and I just love the song it's probably my favorite all time song of the Imperials and Russ Taft but it's a song called Praise the Lord and it says when you're up against a struggle and it shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes 
and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Do what? Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for he can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you. Only serve to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Man, I started singing that song. And I wasn't singing it like, when you're up against a struggle. And it shatters all your dreams. My neighbors probably wondered what in the world's going on over at the best house. That man done gone crazy. I started singing it. And I started walking around the house with my hands in the air singing that song. And the second verse gets better. Now Satan is a liar. And he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself. That we are children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen. So the work's already done. Just praise the Lord. God can work through those who praise him. And I sang that song and I sang that song. And I sang it and I sang it. I sang it to death. I sang it to life. He put a new song in my heart. And that song took on a whole new significance for me. Maybe some of you have been there, a place in your life where where God has used a song or of scripture or something just to lift you up, to cause you to, to just erupt into praise of what God has done. That was my song. That's my anthem. I got to sing it to my doctor. (laughs) Because when I went back for my next biopsy, I had to have a sort of a, you know, we're at the end of the study. You got to have another liver biopsy, which is a whole lot of fun. So we can see what it's done to you. And so I went and got a liver biopsy. And when I went for my results, it was amazing because my doctor told me, he says, He says, you young men are an absolute miracle of God. He says, you have zero scarring in your liver, which is a miracle. The work's already done. Lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen and the work's already done. So praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. He lives among the praises of his people. He loves it when we worship him, when we get excited about the things of God. I don't know about you, but when somebody shares a victory with me, I don't just go, that's, that's good. Because I know who did it. I get excited, man. I love it when people get healed. I love it when people get saved. When somebody gives their heart to Jesus, I want to dance. I want to praise the Lord because something awesome has happened. God's just being God. He's just being good. So it's good to praise the Lord. Do you believe that? It's best. And it's pleasant. It's a whole lot more pleasant. I tell you what, I believe that It also says, and praise is comely. It's becoming. 
Praise looks good on you. Praise makes you better looking. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you sure look good when you're praising. <laughs> you really do. Because, you know, I, I've never seen anybody who's really truly praising God and blessing the Lord that's blessing him like this. Like my daddy says, like an old Missouri mule eating briars. <laughs> but when we praise the Lord, we, we praise him and it's comely, it's suitable, it's beautiful. It looks good on you. Amen. I, I love it when people get together and praise the Lord. That's why I like to get together with the people of God and praise him and, and, and just look at everybody. It, it inspires me. I mean, could you imagine being at a football game and you're the only fan? Could you imagine that? I mean, you got all these players down on the field. They're doing their thing, and you're the only fan in the stands. And you're up there going, Woo! Woo! You imagine how long that would last? You probably wouldn't go to another football game. Would you? But it's exciting when you go to one and everybody's charged, you know, especially when you get to sit on the, the home side and the home team's doing good. You know, you love it. And the thing about the home team here is he always does good. Our God never has, he never loses. As a matter of fact, you know, baseball is mentioned in the Bible. In Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Help each other with it. You got it? Okay. Yeah, the big inning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My joke for the day. But you can just imagine what it's like, though, when you have all of these thousands of people encouraging each other in worship. And you know what it says in Hebrews chapter 12? We have, it says that, that seeing then we're encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. We have the heavenly crowd that, of worshipers and praisers that are praising God and spurring you on. I imagine that, you know, I can only imagine what it's like. Now, I can't say this for sure because... The Bible's very clear about what goes on in heaven with those who've gone before us. But I imagine that there's a great cloud of witnesses, you know. Mo and Paul and all those guys up there, David, all this, my dad and my mom and whoever else, encouraging me. Sonia, doing good. Hang in there. Get it, man. Go, go. And they love it when we have those victories. And, and you know, I, I, I know that... That when we praise the Lord, it builds strength inside of us. I like what Psalm 149 verses 2 through 4 says. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Dancing's okay in the church. It's apropos. It's, it's good. We should. Amen. Square dancing. I don't care as long as you're worshiping Jesus. One of my good friends, Mike Manuel, he's preached here before. 
He was telling us about when he was, they had revival up in Virginia, West Virginia, and said a lot of the bikers were getting saved and stuff. And said that, that they, they were in there one night and the Spirit of the Lord was just really moving. People were worshiping and stuff. And said there was one of the old bikers, he just got saved the night before. And he was over there worshiping the Lord doing the dirty dog. That's all he knew how to do. I don't know how. But that's what he said. But he was worshiping with all of his might. I mean, maybe not exactly the way that we think he should. But I guess God looked at it and said, you know, I'll sanctify that. Because he's worshiping me with his whole heart. He's given me all he's got. So one of the other bikers over there in the corner, you know, everybody else is saying hallelujah. And he got excited. He started yelling, hell yeah. I'm not saying that that's what we should do in church. Somebody came up to the pastor and said, are you going to let him do that? The pastor said, well, I'd rather have a sanctified hell yeah than a hypocritical hallelujah. Because he was giving it all he got. It should be just as natural for a child of God to praise him as it is to breathe. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I mean, he should just exude from us. I like what it says in Psalm 149, verses 2 and 4. And I already gave you that. It says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Woo! In the Message Bible, in Psalm 33, 1 and 2, it says, Good people, cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising. Use guitars to reinforce your hallelujahs. Play his praise on a grand piano. Invent your own new song to give him. Give him trumpet fanfare. Use whatever you got to worship the Lord. I remember going to Jamaica one time and we were in a service and I went in and I looked around and there was a guitar over in the corner, had one string on it. And so I had my guild with me and I started leading worship and this little skinny Jamaican guy comes in and he goes over and he picks up his guitar with the one string and starts playing along with me. You think I stopped him? Lord, no. I said, play lead, buddy. I didn't care if he was in tune or not. He was in tune with him. And he was worshiping the Lord with all he had, with all of his might. He was giving God everything he had. I, I love the story of David, you know, when, when uh, uh, he had gone down to take back the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem after he'd been captured by the Philistines. And, and, and he'd been brought back and, and they had a little calamity along the way. They were trying to uh, move the Ark of the Covenant. Remember what happened was they put it on an ox cart and the ox stumbled. And, and the guys that were tending the ark, one of them reached over to put his hand on it and steady it, and he, he fell over dead because they were doing it the wrong way. There is a right way and a wrong way, I guess. But they, they took it, and they put it in the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. I love the guy. His name appears many, many times in the Old Testament. He wanted to be close to the presence of God because when they put the Ark of the Covenant in his house, you know what happened? Another name for the Ark of the Covenant was the Ark of the 
presence. The ark of the presence. It represented the presence of God. And they brought the presence of God into Obed-Eden's house. And it stayed there for three months. You know what happened? It blessed his socks off, man. I don't know if they wore socks in those days. But if they did, his had been blessed off. <laughs> he was exceedingly blessed. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 through 22. Now David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. Everybody say the ark of God. Now say the presence of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David wearing a linen ephod. You know what a linen ephod was? It's kind of like a nightgown made out of linen. It was a priest's undergarments. He had one of them on. You know, then they would put the uh, breastplate or whatever they call it on it. But he, he had that on. And, and, and it says that he danced before the Lord kind of half-heartedly. What does it say? He, he danced before the Lord with, with all of his might. In other words, he had his praise on. He would make every one of us in here look like amateurs. I mean, this dude had some steps now, and he was exhibiting every one of them. He was high-stepping, low-stepping. He probably was break-dancing before Jesus. He probably perfected that long before we ever knew anything about it. I mean, he was giving it all he had. And while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets, in other words, they were properly praising God. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, and we say Michael, but it's Michal. Michal, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she did what? She despised him in her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the Lord in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israel, the whole crowd of the Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. And when David returned home to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. In other words, you were just really showing off, weren't you? disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his house when he appointed me to rule over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. And I I, I love his next statement, man. It's just so right on. He says, you think that I did it with vigor today he says I will become even more undignified than this I will be humiliated in my own eyes but by those slave girls you spoke of I will be held in honor not everybody's going to get real excited when you get excited for Jesus some folks will come in and they'll say you know I think we need to keep it quiet 
it's okay if you raise your hands half mask. Just as long as I don't have to see them. And it's all right for you to say a hallelujah under your breath. But just don't you be showing off. Don't let anybody else see you because if you do, you're doing it in pride. That's a bunch of bunk. Because if we don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. I believe God has called us. He's given us something to worship about. And it's best. It's not just good. It's better and it's best when we worship him. When we praise him. With all that we've got. When we give it every ounce of energy we have worshiping the Lord. I mean, we do a lot of things with exuberance. I, I, I was looking on Facebook the other day. And this little 94-year-old woman sitting next on the side of a dance floor. And... Somebody came up and asked her to dance, and a miracle happened. Man, she started cutting the rug like crazy. I'm like, whoa! She was showing off. And this woman had some moves. And I'm thinking, man, you know, I just wish the people of God would have that much exuberance about the things of God, that we would get that excited and praise him like he deserves to be praised. Man, that's why I sit on the front row. I don't care what y'all see behind me. I just don't want to watch everybody else not worship. Mm. I thank the Lord that we have a group of worshiping people, praising people here. I got excited this morning hearing you sing the way you were singing, worshiping God. I know the Father's heart is pleased when we do worship him. And I love it. And I'm thankful we have a group of people here that worship God. The other thing I can do on the front row, besides watching heads, is I can worship and, and lead you. <laughs> and we get excited in worship. And the, and the thing I love about Jeremy and the worship team's worship is that they're not up here just trying to lead worship. They're just worshiping. And we just fall in. We just get involved in what they're doing. Because they're truly giving it everything they've got to the Lord. And I, I love it. I love it. And, and every one of us have a story. I, I, I look at Blake and I, I know Blake's story. I see the grace of God. I see the power of God. I see the love of God in him. And it, it excites me. I know many of your stories. I know Brian's story. When I'm up here beside this big old guy and he's worshiping the Lord. If he whacks me across the nose, the Lord heals me immediately. We just keep going. <laughs> I try to give him room. Sometimes he'll do this. I love it though. I love the fact that his heart is in worship. His heart is in praising God. And why not? Why not? You know, I think about Jesus and all he did for us. You know, Jesus, he was crucified outside the camp. He was taken to a place called Golgotha, the place of a skull, which was a garbage heap. And I think it signifies what he did is he took our sins to the garbage heap. And he gave his life and poured out his blood. 
But he took the blood from the offering of himself, the sacrificial lamb. And he took it into the Holy of Holies. And he offered it up. And it was sufficient. So once and for all, a sacrifice that was sufficient. David was offering animal sacrifices every six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six, kill a bull. One, two, three, four, five, six, kill another bull. Blood was being sacrificed. They were offering sacrifices before God to show how much they love him and how much they adore him. But he has given us a new and living way where we come into the presence of God through his blood. And there's only one thing we have to bring as a sacrifice. And it's found in Hebrews 13, 15. We are told that through Christ we are to offer up a sacrifice to him. Through him then, let us continually offer the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. That's the sacrifice that we're to bring in him. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Y'all ever heard that song? Some of you are probably too young to remember it, but it's true. We bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. The fruit of our lips, that's what we bring. That's what he wants. He wants us to tell him how much he loves him and how much we love him because he loves us that much. And I believe that, that this is our cue that we need to give a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. You think our worship team could come up and help us out with that a little bit? That we can offer some praise to God today. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling it. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just really feeling it right now. That we just really need to go out with praise. We come in with praise. We need to go out with praise, right? Amen. Right? Come on, y'all. Amen. We ought to praise him. He's worthy. We ought to praise him. Why? Come on, help me out a little bit, y'all. Why should we praise him? We should praise him because it's good. It's not just good, it's best. It's better when we praise him. Besides that, you're better looking when you praise him. Y'all want to look good? Huh? We get in front of the mirror and we, we primp and we, we do everything. We trim our nose hairs. We do all those things. Brush our teeth. And we want to look good. But when we come before him, the thing that makes us look good is when we worship him and we praise him. Yeah. Amen. Uh-huh.